and showing houses as primarily a buyer's agent, you have to be here. So as a team, I have all these team members to say, hey, can you show this house for me? Like last week, I was in Savannah for five days for St. Patrick's Day, we go every year. I did two deals. I put two deals under contract, almost a million dollars in Savannah. I wrote an offer in my car on the way to the beach. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegi, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me I said yes we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Bob. You know on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was and he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another 3 or 4 minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use follow-up boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US, he uses follow-up boss to get a 400% ROI on his massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses follow-up boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, follow-up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Recording in progress, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today, I get to interview Sarah O'Malley. Sarah has been a listener of the podcast. We got to meet and chat a lot on Instagram, and she reached out to me and finally said she was going to apply to get on the podcast. I actually had to reach back out and remind her and say, hey, I told you to come book it, and you haven't booked your spot yet. She's from the Balser Zach Group in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm glad to talk to her today. Sarah, how's it going? Hey, good, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to get to chat with you today. How long have you been in real estate? I am in year four right now. So year four. As an you... agent, as an agent. So I was an admin for a year before that. So I guess five years in the business at this point. Okay. So the um, what made you decide to get in real estate? So I was an admin uh, working a nine to five for another real estate team and was seeing his, my team leaders checks come in processing those and then seeing what I was making. And I was like, huh, when, you know, wonder why I'm not doing this and found out I was pregnant a couple, I'd say like eight months into that job. Then really when I was two months pregnant, I decided, you know what, I need to do something bigger for my family. And I really think I can do this. So I quit that job, went to the team I actually bought and sold with a year prior and just kind of went for it. The, um, so when you first got that job as an admin, was it just mm -hmm. like you were hired, like there was a job ad that said office admin staff. You didn't know, know anything about real estate, didn't know about the, the business. It was like, yeah, I'll be your office admin. So I had just bought and sold maybe three months before I got the job. 
Uh, so I had a little bit, but that was my first ever experience in real estate. And yeah, I saw admin slash marketing. I just graduated with my master's in marketing. So just thought this would be a good nine to five to jump into. Yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of the people that are nine to five working in offices, like whether it's in real estate investment offices or, you know, my first company was a flipping company. And I remember hiring the admin in that. And the first thing you start to have your admin do is like, hey, go deposit these checks for me because going to the bank to deposit <laughs> stuff is annoying, right? Like, or go drop off these checks for me. And so they very quickly start to see the money and the numbers. And I think it's, I think it becomes really difficult for somebody to stay an admin in a real estate or an investment company for a long time. I think the transition has to be because otherwise like cashing all those checks and seeing all those dollars, most people can't stay happy. They can't stay content anymore. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Like, have you, have you thought about that much? Yeah, for me. So obviously I didn't know how hard it would be to get the clients to make mm -hmm. the money that was on those checks. That was kind of a wake up call when I got into it. Cause of course everybody sees us making money. They think it's easy. It's great to be in real estate right now. Uh, so I, I didn't definitely did not get that. And, but yeah, I was seeing these checks and, you know, I have a master's degree and I was making not what I should be making with a master's degree to no fault of the person hiring me, but I took the job and you know, I got pregnant and I was like, is this my life? You know, am I, am I going to be the one telling somebody to deposit those checks for me? Or am I going to be the one depositing the checks? And I've always just been the person that wants to do more. So I thought, well, whatever, I'm going to try it. Yeah. That is, it's the interesting promise, right? You go to school, you pay for your degree, you pay for your master's degree. And the assumption is I'm going to get a job that pays me this much. That's going to pay off those loans. And, and I went through it. The, I, I went, I went through college. I, I, I got loans, I got scholarships. And then remembering when we you know, getting that first job and even getting hired at a great time in a great industry at the time, it was still like, okay, so it'll take me 15 years to pay off these loans at those rates. And, and um, yeah, and you can't blame people for when they see the checks to go, I wish I was doing that. It's like the grass is greener. It's like, that must be nice. I get a lot of, I got a lot of people that would come to work for my flipping company at the time. It's like, so we had a, we would buy houses, we would fix them, we would sell them. So we had construction workers, we had, we had real estate agents, we had everything in this team and everybody would kind of say like, I'm the one that does all the work. They would say like, oh, that house made $20,000. And the person that would drive the houses before auction would say, I'm the one that does the hard thing. I'm the one that tells us what houses to buy. The people bidding were like, if I didn't show up, we wouldn't have got that. The construction workers were like, we're the ones that do all the work. So everybody sees that number and they go, I'm the one doing it all. I should get that. Or the yeah. admin seeing the numbers. And then people forget, like, sometimes we lose money on houses. Or in your case, it's like, Yes, it's nice to get that, but it's not easy. It's not like all those leads get handed to you. It's not like you're just counting your money the day you become a real estate agent. You work hard to start getting those checks. Yeah, especially with absolutely no experience. And I grew up in rural West Virginia, had just moved to Baltimore. I went to West Virginia University. So my entire life, my whole sphere, every friend I ever had was you know, three hours away. I have my husband and his friends and that was it when I started. So I didn't even have people to call, you know, they say, call the 100 people you're closest to around you. I had three, three people. So you know, yeah. it was, it's the hard work, you know, it is money hard earned. The, so let's jump to that part in your story. So mm -hmm. the, I wanted to get, so you get to Baltimore you're getting started in real estate and you know, and you only know three people, right? And that is the easiest way people start. Hey, you've got your sphere, tell all your friends, you're an agent, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, let everybody know because that will lead to deals. And it does, and that does work and it does lead to deals. But what do you do if you don't have a sphere? What do you do if you don't have people that you can share? what did you do? Yeah. So the three people I did know, uh, one was my personal trainer turned friend, she trusted me. She was my age as well. She knew I was a hard worker. Um, she trusted me. And then another, my husband's best friend and his wife trusted me. So I got my first two deals within two weeks, I think. And that was just pure luck and trust from those people. But what else I did is when I was talking to people, you know, they're saying, well, you have no experience in real estate or how long have you been doing it? And I have to say, what, three days? But the team I'm on, which I'm so thankful for, we have a hundred plus years of experience. So I say, you know what? I'm fairly new, but my team leader and my whole team, we have a hundred plus years of experience combined. We've sold this many million combined. So I have a team behind me to help me. And I just kind of went with that. 
Yeah, that's really so the so you joined a team right away. And, mm-hmm. and that's a great way so people ask all the time as a new agent or as a young agent, like, how do I how do I let people overcome that question? Like the, hey, you're only 20 years old and you're an agent or you haven't done this or you're brand new because everybody's always brand new at something. And I love that. So the so you knew right away, you would say, hey, I'm, I'm part of a team. This is why. What are some of the other benefits of joining the team? Like, how is that? How has that experience been for you? Do you think everyone should join a team? Uh, I think if you don't have any real estate experience or if you're moving to location, I would always recommend a team. And I, I've kind of said I'm a teamer for life. That's just the lifestyle I like to live. Uh, the benefits of my team for me are obviously admin support. We have an amazing admin, admin who like being an admin, who see the checks and still want to stay in the admin position. Uh, we have an incredible operations manager named Robin. We have Dustin, our listing manager. We just hired a marketing coordinator. Um, So we have like this big team around me to help. And I'm also, I am a very like, I like my lifestyle. I like to travel. I don't want to be in Baltimore all the time. Right. And showing houses as primarily a buyer's agent, you have to be here. So as a team, I have all these team members to say, Hey, can you show this house for me? Like last week, I was in Savannah for five days for St. Patrick's Day. We go every year. I did two deals. I put two deals under contract, almost a million dollars in Savannah. I wrote an offer in my car on the way to the beach. So that's what a team is for me. It's just the support. And then obviously the next couple of weeks when I'm here, I'll do that for my team members too. So it's just a collaborative way for everybody to have the lifestyle we want, but also, you know, make good money. You know, people haven't given me that answer very often. And I think that's really important. I, I think it's, it's, it's so important because people, because the first thing people say, why not to join a team or why not? To, because they say, I don't want to share my profits with anybody. I don't want to share my commissions. I want a hundred percent of everything. But the idea that you're, you're almost instantly, I mean, you're instantly part of a team, but you get to kind of instantly be almost like a business owner. Even if you're a low person on the team, if someone else on the team is going to help you. So like business owners get to go on vacation and someone else does their work for them. But just by being a team member, yeah. you get to feel it like, because you can be in Savannah and say, hey, I need you to go show this house for me, even if you're the low person on the totem pole on that team and somebody else is going to do that for you. So that's a very quick way to kind of leverage yourself in the business. I hadn't thought about it like that. The, yeah, what I is, mean, it's been huge. So what are you doing for volume right now? Uh, last year, I did $11.5 million. This year, I'm on track to do twelve point five. So I'm not pushing myself as hard volume wise, but at being on a team, my splits are different for where my leads come from. So last year I was 50% sphere Zillow. This year I'm trying to do 75% sphere. So my splits are higher. So I might only do a million more in business, but I'm making 50, hundred grand more. Yeah. What's the average sales price out in Baltimore? About 350, okay. but our team's average is about four, 450. And then what's the market like? What's it been like there over the past couple of years? So the, so, you know, take like beginning of 2020 to now, what's the ups and downs been? What have people felt like out there? What have we seen? I think a lot of, I mean, I listen to this podcast all the time, so I hear everybody's opinions, but I think it's pretty much the same as everywhere. It's competitive. There's no inventory, tons of buyers, just kind of cutthroat. In Baltimore, we call it small sometimes because It is a small city and people know each other. And especially in the real estate industry, we do a lot of triangulating. So I'd say the market in the past two years for me has been just triangulating, meeting other agents, talking to them, getting their listings before they hit the market. Baltimore has a lot of off-market activity. I'm not sure how it is everywhere else, but the past two years, we've seen our off-market activity triple. Yeah. The, wasn't there a, they, I mean, they had talked about trying to create kind of the law for realtors that off-market stuff wasn't really gonna gonna work anymore, or maybe it was based on on like timely timelines. But two weeks ago, pers- the there's an agent that puts up an open house sign in my neighbor's yard, and they emailed their network and said, "Hey, we're gonna se- we're gonna sell this house." That day, thirty people showed up to the open house and they sold it. It never went on MLS. It never showed on MLS. And then I saw another contract recently that said both buyer and seller have requested that the closing price does not go in MLS. So both of them are saying like, we don't want anyone to know 
what this house sold for or what this house was was bought for. Wow. And that's wild. Like, I don't think a year ago that was, you know, an off-market deal. And part of this, I said, why'd you go off market? They said, we want to deal with like 10 offers and not 50. It was too hard to look at 50 offers. And then also there's that point of the agent being like, maybe we're going to double end it if we're going to be able to email it to our, you know, our network instead. Yeah. So that's kind of within our team. We're doing a lot of that. So when we have a listing agreement signed, send it in. We have like a separate group chat for listings coming, send it in there. We say, what buyers do you have? Five of us have a buyer. We go see it. We make an offer that's over what they were going to list it for. Not extremely, but you know, have to give them reason not to take it to the market. Yep. And we do the deal like that. So it's just, it. that's another benefit of being on the team. You know, having those in network properties is huge. And I think that's probably a, a, a bigger benefit now than, um, I mean, there's a lot of things recently being part of that team that are a bigger benefit than before. Because if you get a lot of, you know, people are like, oh, I get a lot of listings um, already. So they want to keep it all or something like that. And especially in a market like this, but in a market like this, most sellers, like, I don't want to, I don't want to pay a full listing amount because all you have to do is put it on the market and sell it. But that idea of being on a, on a team, getting first look at stuff, getting access, the bigger the team, the, the better chance is that you're going to be able to see something before it comes out and get to see a lot of those benefits. So what's, um, what's something now? So you've been an agent for four years. You've seen, you had like two normal years and you've had two crazy years like everybody. Yeah. Um, what's something you wish you would have known when you first got started that you've, that you've learned now as an agent and you're like, man, I wish I would have known this when I first got started. Ugh. I think just to give zero shits about what other people think the first, you know, year, year and a half, I concentrated so much on this perfect social media and coming across as this, you know, glowing professional that's just always happy about the market and just, you know, kind of being fake. I see so many other agents, especially in our area, just go on social media and be very fake and in their marketing and even at bars and restaurants and, you know, I feel I've really connected to people these past two years, just being real. And if I would have done that my first two years, been more myself, I feel like I would have built my clientele and my tribe even faster. Yeah. Getting to share who you are. So let's talk about social media for a little bit. The, um, I can tell from your social media that you, you, like you said, there's a lot of, it's, it's your personal life. It's your fun times. It's your, it's your being a, a, a mom. It's, it, and, and it's also, and doing the real estate. So if, if someone is going to ask you, like, Sarah, how, how should I use social media to get listings? How should I put myself out on social media? What's the formula? If somebody's just getting started and you're like, hey, over the next five or six months, you should do this or you should ask for this, um, what would you tell them? I think being consistent is huge. Um, I have, you know, I have kind of different things I've tried with social media that have and haven't worked, but really just the consistency of showing up all the time and the business account versus the personal account, that's just kind of out. I've seen that everywhere. You know, it's kind of phasing out. Everybody, they want to see you. Real estate is personal. You're finding everything out about these people, what they want in a house, what their financials are like, you know, but they don't know anything about you. It just, you're not going to mesh well. So I think get rid of the business account, put everything on your personal, you know, be yourself because you're going to attract the right kind of people one agent's not for everybody and everybody doesn't need to use one agent. There's plenty of business to go around. So I think just being yourself. And then there's a couple other like little things I do tip and trick wise on Instagram. I don't know if you want me to go into that, but yeah, sure. Go into some of your tips and tricks. Yeah. So I had to write it down. So I'd remember, um, awesome. every time I go somewhere, I tag the business, not the place. So I'm tagging businesses all the time. I tag my gym. I go to the gym six days a week. I'm in there 7 a.m. or 4 p.m. I have I've built my tribe there. Um, I tag my gym every time I post a picture of myself there. And that's a couple of times a week. And a couple of times a week they'll share it. I've gained followers through that. Um, I tag every single Baltimore restaurant I go to. If I do a post and it's I'm eating I'm at, eating a, at restaurant, a restaurant, say in Fells Point in Baltimore. I don't tag false point. I tag the restaurant because what am I doing when I'm going to search for a new place to eat? I go to Instagram. I search that place. And I look at the people who've tagged it. So that's how people are finding me. And then just yesterday I had somebody reach out. I posted a listing 
And this is another tip. Post every single listing your team has. If you're at a brokerage, post everybody's listings. You can't. They're your brokerage's listings. I post every single listing. And my husband always says that people, he's a firefighter. People on his shift are like, my God, Sarah has so many listings. He's like, hell yeah, she does. Meanwhile, I've had, you know, not, not as many as my team has, but I post every single beautiful listing. And yesterday I did that and I tagged not the town that it's in, but I tagged a winery that it's by. Well, somebody saw that. They reached out to me. Thought it was, I honestly thought it was fake at first. Reached out to me, totally normal couple that needs an agent that wants to see this house I'm showing them on Friday. $750,000 house. And it's free. It's free. That's a crazy... So tagging a, biz, a, a business instead of a place, that's a great idea because that's where the interaction is. And for people, as you're, if, you're getting, if you're new on social media, you know, there's a whole section of anyone they want can tag me on a picture. And I, can, and I don't have to approve it. I don't have to say, yes, it's okay. But there's a section, you go to my profile, you go to Sarah's profile, you click another section. Anyone that's ever tagged us, it's there, good or bad, indifferent. Yep. And so being able to do that, you're automatically going to be on someone's feed in that other category. And so it's not the, the main one, but it happens. Being able to tag it, here's a listing and tag a winery nearby. So now that picture of the house actually shows up in where the winery was tagged in a picture. That's brilliant. And then getting somebody to go like, yeah, this is the type of house, like, like how randomly, right? They weren't quite sure they were, they were looking at or not, like how it showed up in their feed. Like, I, I want to I think about like, how did that actually come in? And they were like, oh, let's go check, take a look at this house. What a, what a very cool story with that. Yeah, I think it just brings people, you know, and I, it's not like I've never been to the winery. It's called Bordy. It's in a beautiful part of Baltimore County here. And I, we were members there for years. So it's somewhere I relate to, you know, and I, I even put in the caption, tag them in the caption, that one of the selling points for this house is you could walk to Bordy. So it's just something that people relate to. You know, you put, if you're putting that on a business page, new listing, you know, coming soon with the houses and the price and the bedrooms and the square feet, nobody cares. They can go on Zillow and find that. But if you say, hey, you can walk to this winery and there's, it's this place called Lock Raven Reservoir. It's a hiking, trails, fishing. I put those two things in and you have people interested. Then yeah. it's more than a house. It's, it's a lifestyle. You're creating a lifestyle around it. And social media is where people look for ways to improve their lifestyle. Yeah. I really, I really like that. I think the, I think so many people post, you know, put, put listings online. And I like that. I like the spin and the twist of instead of just saying, here's the listing and here's how many square feet and here's the price really going into what makes that one unique. What's, what is it nearby? What can you tag? What park can you tag? What, you know, what, what can you tag in that where other people are going to see it and understand there's, there's kind of more to that story. And, and if you're on a team or if you're just getting open houses from somebody that is a listing agent and being able to, whenever you're tagging or just sold, right? So the, I've heard pe people have come on here and said, as they're starting, they'll go take pictures, like, like sold sign pictures in front of houses, their team sells. They're like, Hey, I'm new. They're not my sales yet. So I'm going to go yeah. in front of all of them and say, Hey, this house just sold today. Totally accurate statement. Right. And, uh, and one of the gals I recently interviewed, yeah. she did that her whole first year. She's like, they weren't any of mine, but I wasn't lying. And, but taking those same ones and saying, and this house was right down the street from X and X or, you know, the, uh, it was within walking distance. I think that is a really cool way. So you got a master's degree in yeah. marketing, you said? Yeah. Marketing, integrated com marketing communications. So how did getting that degree help prepare you to succeed as an agent? Because there's one of the things that's awesome about being an agent is you don't need to have a degree to start. I love that someone can come with no education and make a lot of money. But there's also yeah. like, but an education can also be the footsteps and the jump start. So how did, how has that helped you in your career, in your career? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think college degrees are for everybody. My husband's a firefighter, been a career firefighter for 13 years. He does amazing. You know, he's great. No student loans. Me, drowning in student debt. But getting that master's degree, first of all, I think it just shows discipline. I think having a bachelor's and a master's, any kind of education shows that you have discipline you're willing to work for something, you know, you're working for something that's not paying you, right? You're paying to do that. So it's obviously important to you. And with the marketing, I always tell my clients this, I really, really push this at listing appointments. I say, listen, I got a master's degree four years, almost four years ago now. 
So all of my stuff is very fresh. Sure. I only have four years of experience in real estate. My team has hundreds, whatever. I know you're in interviewing the lady who owns this neighborhood who's been here for 35 years. However, she didn't get that training that I got and I still do. She doesn't have the social media presence. She's not posting all the time. She's not getting, who's moving into your neighborhood? It's the move up buyer. It's not your neighbors who are opening their mail every single day. It's the move up buyer. They're on social media. They're looking at those things. And my marketing degree, because I got it when I got it, it was all social and digital marketing based. So I am the expert in that. And that's how I sell it. You know, I'm just like, listen, I, I have the tools and the training in this. Yeah, I need it to be a real estate agent. But do I think it helps my clients? Absolutely. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break with one of our newest sponsors. I'm super excited to be partnering with these guys. Does 15 to 20% ROI investing in turnkey rentals sound attractive? Did you know you can use the Burr strategy with new construction that has immediate equity already? You guys have heard me talk about stuff like this. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. If single family, multifamily, new build and syndication opportunities across multiple markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation and equity. Rent to Retirement assists investors in learning how to build a comprehensive business plan with the best investment and tax strategies to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or call 1-800-311-6781. That's 800-311-6781 to learn about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. You know, and if you guys want to learn more about Zach, episode 1025, we dig in for a good 45 minute interview where he tells you the secrets to investing in real estate out of state. And him and I shared a lot of ideas about what works and what doesn't. You'll get to hear a lot about his company and his business. You know, if you're an agent from out of state and you've got referrals looking for stuff, they work with other agents on a referral basis. And we've talked so much since COVID hit that everybody needs to have a backup plan, right? Every one of you agents needs to have a backup plan. You should all be investing in real estate. And if you're having trouble finding the time and the team to do it, maybe something like rent to retirement is the solution for you. So thank you for listening. Go check them out. Now back to the rest of our podcast. Yeah. I think the, um, for agents out there, when you're, you're taking what Sarah said, if you've got the degree, being able to, to bring that up during those listing appointments, I think is important. If you're new and you're into the technology and you're, and you're fighting against, and you're battling against somebody that, that's been an agent for a long time, that same argument that Sarah just talked about, being able to, to use that and say, hey, this is what makes me different. Um, or, you know, if people come to real estate after having a 10 or 20 year career in something else. And so just be sure to find your advantage that you have and be willing to share that. You can say, no, I've only been an agent for six months, but I'm part of a big team or I've only been an agent for six months. But before that, um, you know, I worked at a bank for a long time. So I have a lot of experience with finance, finances and negotiate, whatever it is, you know, that finding yeah. what that skill set is and be able to, you know, to use it. So, so you, you said you were pregnant when you decided to become an agent or the, or when you decided to study for your license yeah. or what, so what was that? I remember so, my wife had this, had the same story. She was, you know, studying for her broker's license while like, you know, waking up with the kids at like midnight. So what was it like for you? Yeah. So I, we had been married almost a year. I was, I said, I wasn't going to have kids until I was 28. Well, I turned 28 in June. I have an almost three-year-old, so that didn't work out for us, but, um, good surprise. And I was, I had already gotten my license. So to be an admin, it tremendously helps if you're licensed, you can do so much more, you have so much more knowledge. So I got my license while I was an admin. So that was kind of, it's kind of a no brainer to me. Hey, I already have the license. It's already done. So why not just try this and see? And yeah, I was, I think eight weeks pregnant. I hadn't even announced to anybody. I announced that I was going to leave my job before I announced I was pregnant. The, so that's, that's kind of funny, like as, as getting to keep part of it a secret, the, what is, um, and so, and then as soon as you got licensed, the, you have a young baby as you became, how, how, what was that process like? Were you like, Hey, this is a great career for, for new, for new moms. Was it tougher because you were a new mom? 
Yeah. So when people say I'm, I'm getting this career for the flexibility and it, no, you know, that's just, just <laughs> the, the flexibility is everybody else's flexibility. It's not yours. It's when they can see a house and being a new agent, you're doing primarily buyers. And, you know, I'm like, okay, sometimes if they were friends or if they were super chill and they found me on social media and they already knew who I was, I would just bring my kid. His name's Sean. I would just bring him. You know, I would strap him into his little carrier and I'd show the house. And if he cried, I'd stick a bottle or binky in. And it made me no less able to do anything, but getting out the door was much harder. Now I'm I'm very blessed with my husband's work schedule. He's a firefighter. So two days a week, he's at there 24 hours. So five days a week, I could basically do whatever I needed to do. But those other two days, I mean, 24 hours with a newborn, I just made it. You just make it work. You just do it. Yeah. What are some, so you've listened to the podcast for a long time, the, yeah. uh, which is awesome. So, you know, my, I, like getting to interview people like you that have listened for a long time, that's my favorite thing to get to do. What are, can you share like anything you've learned from the podcast or how, how it might have uh, affected you or helped you in your real estate career? Yeah, I think what I've learned the most is that there are different ways to do things and everybody kind of has their own niche. You know, it's not a do that. Some people door knock and that's great. Some people do social marketing and that's great. And I think what I've learned from the podcast is there are all of these different ways to do things and you can kind of pick and choose and try things and see what clicks and then move forward with that. And, you know, I might not listen as intently to a podcast episode about, like buying a hundred homes and investing because I'm not a huge investor. However, I'm listening to the ones about getting your first investment property. So I think it's just taught me there's so many different ways to be successful in real estate. It's not selling a bunch of homes. It's not investing in a bunch of homes. It's not, you know, just linear. There's all these bumps and all these things to try. And that's just really exciting. I feel like I could want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, there are, uh, I think that's one of the the coolest parts about getting to interview so many people is, is hearing everybody like what works for some people doesn't work for everyone, but the, but the fact that everyone has figured out a way to make it work and make something individually unique. And I can ask people like, so when you go knock on a door and you, and you answer, what do you say? Or when you go to that listing appointment, what do you say? And there's lots of similarities. But there's also like, but none of them are the same. Nobody does the exact same pitch or the exact same thing out there. So getting to hear and listen to people and getting bits and pieces. I know somebody is going to take some of the tips you did today and they're going to start changing the way they do their social media, right? Or they're going to change the way they have those, yeah. those listing conversations. Or maybe they're going to join a team now when before that had been something that, you know, they may have been questioning the value in that. How do you, um, I think one of the things you like to do is make real, you know, make real estate fun or make the business fun or have fun mm-hmm. while you're doing it. Share, share that a little bit. What, what do you mean by that? How do you do that? And how does that benefit people in your life? Yeah. So I think first of all, I, I hate being salesy. I don't like to be sold to. The reason I don't door knock is because if somebody knocks on my door, I'm like hiding in like behind my couch. Can they see me? Can they see that I'm home? I'm turning the, muting the TV. You're telling the dog, don't bark, don't bark. Yeah. I'm like, God, don't, don't say anything. So yeah, I mean, I, I just come from a place of not wanting to be salesy, but wanting to help. And I think, you know, when people think about buying a house, when I thought about buying a house, oh God, this can be miserable. This is just going to, it's going to be terrible. So much work. It's worth it at the end. But for my people, I just tell them immediately. First of all, I take the pressure off of me making money, right? I say, your timeline's my timeline. I'm happy to meet you tomorrow. I'm happy to meet you this time next year. It's up to you. Now I can guide you on the market, the conditions, what I, what I think you should do, but really it's, it's totally up to you and I'm not going to push you. And that's first. And then just looking at houses, I'll do little things. Like if I'm stopping at Starbucks on the way, hey, do you guys want anything from Starbucks? The minute we go under contract, I send a video because people, once you go under contract, people are like, oh shit, now what? You know, yeah. it's the hardest part right now is to go under contract because of all the offers. But you finally get an offer accepted and they're like, oh, I didn't even think about this phase because I have been stuck in this offer phase for so long. So we have a bunch of um, insomnia cookies, the like they're on college campuses, bunch of like amazing cookies, right? Okay. And they deliver right to your door. I send a 12 pack of those to every client that goes under contract. 
the day that the night they go under contract, I send it like 9 PM. It's their evening snack. I say, listen, eat the cookies. Enjoy. We'll talk tomorrow. Just make it fun. You know, I don't, I want them to go to bed happy, not like, Oh God, what do we have to do now? I want them to be happy. And then throughout, I just, I make it, you know, I send them little tiny things. I I don't think I spend more than $50 a transaction, but in my Google and Zillow and every time people review me, they mention the cookies. I always, I have like a weird way of having conversations, finding things out about them. They're personal. So I'll send their favorite beer, or if they've mentioned somewhere they like to go, I'll send a little gift certificate Um, for settlement. I'll do the same sort of stuff. And just personal touches. So I'm not one of those people that gives like a cutting board with my logo on it. Those are great, but that person might have five cutting boards. What they really want is a gift card to Starbucks. You know, it just, I really try to tailor it. It gets harder the more busy I get and the more business I do. But I think that's so important at the end of the day to really make them feel like they were the only person I was working with during that process. Yeah, it's, I think something you hit on there is the timing of the gift and the quality of the gift or the personalization of the gift is way more important than the price of the gift. And people aren't yeah. thinking about that. Like, yes, they've been writing offers like crazy. You know, so every time we buy a property, I get the second I get it, if, if I'm competing against somebody else, it's a, I have a feeling of excitement and a feeling of buyer's remorse and go, <laughs> did I just overpay for something? Like if I just got my offer accepted and you better, you have to believe that a lot of those buyers are as excited as they are scared. And like, wait, we're the best offer out of 30. Is this a bad investment now? Like, that's a are, bad thing. you yeah. know, did we get the wrong? So it's as exciting as that's the downside about it being such a seller's market is when the buyer wins. So also like they're, yes, that night their, their mind is racing. Their night, their yeah. mind is racing. Like, did we screw up? Did we not? And you're like, here, just celebrate some cookies. Like we we'll talk about all those other details. There's plenty of, we got plenty of time now. We got, we got a month to get the rest of the stuff done. I'll talk to you tomorrow about next steps, but for now, just like celebrate this. I think that well-timed thing, the moment of the, of the celebration of like, yeah, no, you, you just achieved something big. Your mind is racing. Don't even think about that. Just, 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 just celebrate the fact that we want an offer. We, but we, we beat somebody yeah. else uh, in what is right now is like the toughest process ever as a seller too it's it's kind of scary i can't even believe i'm saying this or thinking this but we you know we listed a property we end up getting you know dozens of offers and they're all over asking and then there's a fear of what if i choose the wrong one because even though you've got a dozen if you accept the wrong one and they don't end up closing or it doesn't appraise and you had this other one that was cheaper like then there's this fear of am i going to accept the wrong one because if i do two weeks from now these other people might not still be here or they might not be interested. And it's, it's an interesting time. Like I used to love getting two or three offers or competing yeah. against two or three offers. Like the 20 offers thing makes it sucks for buyers and sellers, like sellers. It it's, makes the price yeah. go up, but not the decision-making process. No. And it, as a listing agent, I mean, it's exhausting calling all those lenders and vetting every single person and the sellers want to know everybody's life story. And it's insane. And we, we just had that happen. So we got this big townhouse for, I don't even know. We had a, we had multiple offers, five or six offers. And then as is, they did as is. Two days later, they just said, oh, we don't want it. Just yeah. walked away. Then what does that look like to the, to the other buyers? We go back to the other buyers like, oh, I don't want it. If they didn't want it, we don't want it. Or right now, they, they made four offers that day and they got one accepted. So, it is. It is oh, the worst. Yes, it's scary. It is, yeah, it's it, scary. Yeah. You don't think about the fact in the seller's market that choosing the right offer is like, so when people are like, I don't need to have, I don't need an agent, right? Or you're, you're as an agent, yeah. they t- if they tell you, if you're a listing agent out there and you're getting new listings and they're telling you, why should I pay you a full commission right now? When the moment you get that on the, on the market, you're going to get 30 offers. And it's like, because choosing the right one out of those 30 is much harder than it was when I used, if I used to get one offer, we would accept it. You're like, okay, you get your best negotiation and you take it and you make it work. But when you get 30, you have to figure out the best one. And that is not an easy task. And that is like, especially too, when during negotiations, sometimes it's like, okay, we get multiple offers. Now they start bidding against each other. We had a house recently where two buyers are going back and forth, like over a hundred thousand dollars. It was like a, a, a bidding war where we kept just saying like, we got a new offer. We're going to give you another chance. And it just just keeps going up. It's just keeps going up. I just had that happen too, but thankfully we stopped it about 50 over and we got it. But it's 
yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And there's something in my listing presentation that I got from my team leader, Annie. Um, she taught me this, I think day one, she teaches every single person this day one, takes the listing agreement, right? And there's the commission right there. Five to 6% of sales price. We have little packages. You can pick from the packages, what, how much service you want. She takes that, she crosses it out. She says, I don't, I want you to look at this. She draws a circle with the dollar sign inside of it. The dollar sign is the offer price, right? You get 30 offers. Sellers are looking at the price. Oh, highest offer, good. We are getting so creative now in, in the Baltimore area. I don't know about everywhere else. So creative. We're paying people's transfer and recordation taxes. It's not adding on to the price. So we're not worrying as much about the appraisal, but we're paying their transfer taxes. That's just cash out of our pockets. Yeah. We're offering... I have a friend, he's not on my team, but he just told me this the other day, that they offered to keep the cat because the sellers needed somewhere to leave their cat. They got the but, offer accepted because they kept the freaking cat. Yeah. You know, and I don't even think they were the highest price one, but people love their damn pets. So, you know, keep the cat, get your offer accepted. There's so many other ways. But when I tell sellers that, I'm like, look, because if you negotiated yourself and you didn't have a listing agent or you had these you know, discount people, they're not looking at all of that. They're presenting the offers to you saying, make your decision. I have an Excel sheet of all this stuff that at the end of the day, I'm looking at your bottom line, financing price. Are they going to take your pets? You know, do you need something done? I had somebody offer to like fix something because they were a licensed plumber. There, there's so many ways to do it. And when I tell the sellers, it's like, oh, well, I don't even know what an escalation is. Or I don't even know what an appraisal waiver is. I didn't even think about the transfer taxes. So that's where our value comes in. But you have, you have to be an agent that knows all of that. You know, you have to be educated about that. Yeah. I, I sold a house that had two, al you know, we had two alpacas. And when, when, when the buyer said they were going to keep the alpacas for us, so we didn't have to figure out how to rehome yeah. the alpacas that helped. That absolutely helped. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that till, till just now, but the, yeah, some of that funny stuff, you're like, yeah, get creative, figure out, you figure out what they to. need. And then you, they need, yeah. So tell these, tell these buyers, tell these sellers, like, that's why they need to have an agent. Cause when markets get hot, that's when so much of the time, when people try to discount the value of, of agents and being able to say like, no, the, uh, we are doing what we're doing. I have two more things I want to ask you. I know we've been, we've actually been talking quite a bit. So sure. the, uh, I don't know if you're going to run out of time here. So the, one of the tips that you, you brought up that you heard at the podcast is you said adding value for free, or working for free makes you more money. And um, mm -hmm. I love that slogan. I love that, that, like that whole thought working for free makes you more money. So you said, I think that was one of the tips you heard on, on the podcast. How have you used that? Or how would you re-explain it in your own words? So I, I just posted a reel this morning on Instagram. It's doing pretty well. And it's, it's me in the gym. And then this text comes through my AirPods and it's from a buyer and it says, Hey, are my brother's uncle's cousin told me to wait. I know you showed us 27 houses. Ha ha ha. And I made a joke about it in the caption because I don't want that to sound like I won't show you 27 houses. I worked for free so much in my first two years. So much. I would take a buyer out before they were pre-approved just to make that connection. Mm -hmm. And even now, Zillow, if I get a Zillow buyer, we do the Zillow flex thing. So we have millions of people. Some are great. Some are not. I'll go meet you. If you don't sound like you're going to, you know, murder me on the scene, I'll go meet you. It doesn't matter if you're not pre-approved. Some agents will say, I will absolutely not meet with you. Okay. But that person might be very wealthy and have so much more to offer you business-wise in the next five, 10, 15 years of your career. And you said no to them because they weren't pre-approved today. You wouldn't work for free today to make a million dollars tomorrow. Yeah. And I mean, I did that with a client. This client wanted to see a million dollar home. I should have, right? Asked proof of funds or pre-approval. Could have just been a lucky looker. He's a multimillionaire from DC that's investing in Baltimore. I've done four deals with him. Yeah. And at the beginning, if you would have, if you would have said like, well, let me make sure you're real first. Like maybe he would have said like, I'll go to the next person. He's like, ew, why would you say that to me? You know, cause he's yeah. a high up guy. He's like, of course I'm real. Yeah. I'm Please not going to show Google you my bank me. account. Yeah, Google yeah. my name. You, sh you should yeah. have Googled me. His, his first thing was to be like, you should have Googled me first. You should have Googled ask, me, yeah. Asking me that question. I have an agent, um, Diego, out here in Austin, the uh, 
bless his soul. When we were first moving out here, he showed us like 30 houses and we would fly out. He'd pick us up at the airport. He'd go show us. We went through like a three or four week period. This is a couple of years ago. Well, I take three or four years ago. And then we got to the point where like, we're not, we're not going to buy after all. I'm going to move into one of my foreclosures that I bought. And he had worked for us for so long. And the, a couple of years later, um, it's probably a year later, we got to actually show him one that the, uh, that we, we saw on realtor.com and my wife's like, I want that house. So then that time she had to call Diego and say, just go write the offer. And so he worked for free for us for that one. And then two years later got to represent us on a house that was three times the price. And yeah. that one was writing the offer. So the, you work for free, yeah. you get it later. Last thing I want to talk to you about is really um, something that, I mean, you've got a big social, you have a fun social media presence out there. Um, I know that you're on there talking to other agents, you know, there's, you know, people are going to want to know, uh, you know, how to get a hold of you. Right. So I, I think, uh, and far as like agent to agent referrals, things like that, what are you, how do you treat referrals, especially through social media? How are you getting uh, social media referrals? And um, just tell us about that process. Yeah. So every time somebody's on this podcast, I go follow them. Um, I introduce myself. Hey, my name's Sarah. I'm an agent in Baltimore. Listen to your podcast interview. Loved it. Bring a couple nuggets out of it. So they know I actually listened to it. And I say, listen, I'm going to, I want your contact info because I'm going to put you on my referral list for this state, whatever state you're in. And then I'm going to give you mine. You're going to put me on your list. And I'm going to remind you every time you pop up in my stories, maybe not every time, but when I see something, you know, that relates, I'm going to ha 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 ha. Remember I'm in Baltimore. If any of your clients need me. And that's, I mean, I've been doing that for about two years now, really focusing on that. And $25,000 of my income last year was on agent referrals. So it's, you know, it's a huge chunk of my business. Yeah. Well, that is, that's awesome, right? Getting to reach out to people that are out there, just being um, just intent and like unhonest. You're like, Hey, like I'm like, I'm a fan of yours and here's, and here's what helped. And like, let's, let's help each other. So people, so listeners take Sarah's advice. Right. So reach out to Sarah after she gets off the podcast. Tell her that the that you want to, you know, share inside each other's referral network for stuff. The um Sarah, what's uh, any last thoughts? We covered so much ground in here. I know some of our episodes are only like 30 minutes. We're pro- we're coming up on an hour. It's been a super fun conversation, super valuable. Any last thoughts you want to make sure you share with anybody and uh and then any of the ways that they should reach out to you? Yeah, definitely reach out to me. Um, Instagram is probably the easiest way to find me. It's Sarah W O'Malley. Uh, and if you just type in Sarah O'Malley, it should pop up. But I really think last thoughts are, yes, I'm sitting here and saying tips and tricks and everything, but I've learned so much from everybody else on this podcast and everybody on my team, everybody in the business. Um, I don't know it all. I want to someday know it all, but I really really enjoy learning. So if, if you guys have anything that I said that could be better or that, you know, you have any tips or tricks for me on Instagram, please reach out to me and let me know. I always want to be learning. I always want to help other agents and my clients. And, um, and I would be remiss if I didn't, um, shout out to my team leader, Annie Balser, Zach. She is literally the entire reason why I'm here and I'm able to support my family. And I just really appreciate her and love her so much. Oh, that is so awesome. Being part of a team where you love being part of the team and want to be yeah. able to share that. That has been obviously, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there in the Baltimore area that has heard so much about how much you love your team that they'll be reaching out to maybe join you as well. You know, I, I need to give a, a, a little shout out to, so Sarah just talked about, you know, growing in your business and in your career and wanting to learn more. The, you know, if you guys have heard two months from now, We've got our mastermind out in Austin. It's our real estate agent mastermind. A lot of the people we've interviewed will be there. A lot of you listeners will be there. And it's going to be this really fun, interactive couple days where whether you've done one deal or a hundred deals, we're going to get a bunch of people together in the same room through this really cool uh, you know, mastermind process that I've done several times. It really changed my life where we're going to get to share tips and tricks and we're going to get to look after you know, specific problems that people are having and kind of work as a team to solve some of those. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's May 18th and 19th. If you guys want more information on that, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind. This has been so much fun talking to Sarah. Go follow Sarah on Instagram. That's where her and I chat. Sarah W. O'Malley. It's, it's S-A-R-A. So Sarah without an H. S-A-R-A yeah. W. O'Malley. 
Uh, find her on Instagram. Have a lot of fun. Real Estate Rockstars, as always, thank you for listening. Sarah, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Bye, everybody. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one, and I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have, and also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free, but what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.